0: Hey guys, this is Table Talks with the Towers, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. I'm Ash. I'm MJ. And today we are unpacking what is your role in ministry? Yeah. Whew, it's a loaded one.
1: Yeah, you were pretty upset in this one.
0: <laughs> I was not upset. <laughs> Just kidding. We. Uh, this is- it's a lot to unpack, and it's something that we've been unpacking for yeah. a couple of years. So...
1: And we feel strongly about it, but we don't really know in which way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm still wrestling with it. So I'm still figuring it out and still seeking the Lord, asking Him to show us, like, what does ministry look like for the Taurus? And I'm, you know, privately seeking what does it look like for Ashley, you know? Yeah. What does it look like for me as mom now, you know? And so all these things.
1: My hope is that we'll listen back to this episode 10 years from now. Be and like, be like wow wait, that was cute <laughs> yeah. but this is where we're at right now and we just wanted to invite you to our table
0: these are our real raw wrestlings and we also talk about sourdough so
1: boom 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 so there's that so there's that oh I was gonna make a joke what's the joke it's something about like that's all I'm gonna talk about dough
0: <laughs> classic yeah Oh, you're so funny, babe. You're so funny. Well, hope you
1: enjoy. All right, babe. Tell me a little bit about this whole sourdough thing that you're doing.
0: Mmm. Shout out to Jonathan and Hannah.
1: The mother of our starter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, boy. Wow. Well...
1: And I will tie this together because last episode I was going on this like rant, mm-hmm. I think and ended it with wanting to unpack what was i gonna unpack oh this like sense of role in ministry okay and i promise this is gonna tie together so we'll start with sourdough
0: all righty yeah i mean that kind of started because i basically got some blood work done to figure out if i have any intolerances
1: you don't even have to say that I think you can just say that... Uh...
0: I Well, no. I, I don't want to just say I'm intolerant to because I'm not self-diagnosing. I genuinely got blood work done to confirm that I am intolerant to gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. And highly, for whatever reason, highly intolerant to rye and sesame. So that's kind of sad. And could explain a lot of just health journey. We've talked about this. I'm not going to go into it a super lot, but there are... Things that have kind of been confusing to me that I haven't been able to put like the puzzle Mm -hmm. piece of like why is this not fixing? Because we've been on this health journey, we've been strength training, but I have things like I don't know, this random face rash that I got when I had Jude and I thought it was pregnancy related but could be related to this, you know, intolerance and whatever. So, long story short,
1: (laughs) I want to add to that it's funny that. Today you uh, looked at the bread aisle of the ingredients list of that loaf of bread that we would always get.
0: Yes, Dave's killer bread. Oh, it's my favorite bread.
1: And you, everything you're intolerant. It to. has
0: everything that I'm intolerant to. <laughs> and I've been eating that legitimately since prob- Jude was born. Since Jude was born, probably ev- like up slice every yeah. day. Yeah. Because I love it, and so it's got anyways. a ton of protein. Uh, so anyways rip all that to say i'm on this journey of figuring out okay i really enjoy bread but like could i eat sourdough so i'm like way late to the game because apparently this was like a thing in 2020 where everybody learned how to make sourdough bread yeah <laughs> except for us and i'm just you know yeah what do they call them not your early adopters but the late what do you call the late people yeah
1: the opposite of early adopters whoever whatever that is
0: that's what i am to the sourdough game so but hey i'm excited i fed this sourdough starter for the first time saying which is you just, did more than some. feed
1: the sourdough starter you you lovingly mixed the ingredients <laughs> you talked to this i whispered
0: sour- to the i sang a little song
1: you've named the sourdough starter of
0: course i mean you gotta you know nobody's going to be talking loudly for the next several days until I make this bread. (laughs) Good luck with that with the kids. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to try and see if that is something that I could maybe tolerate a little Mm -hmm. bit more if it's not, you know, super processed. I mean, when,
1: when Jonathan made it, when mm -hmm. they were here last week, yeah, we like, I had zero issues. Well, I'm, you know, I didn't take the test, so I'm not sure what I am. (laughs) I'm just—I
0: mean, we're. I'm just a struggling, slightly sure. Yeah, and I've I've (laughs) just gone along
1: because I wanted to support you and,
0: which i cutting
1: out those things, and I think I feel better.
0: I feel yeah, a lot better. I will say. Honestly, I don't miss anything. Like, there's so many dairy supplements at this... Or supplements, alternatives... Substitutes, yeah. At this point, like, if you're going to be intolerant to something, this is a great day and age to be yeah. intolerant. Because there's a lot of alternatives yeah. that you can choose from, you know? I will say the one thing is cheese. Yep. I know there's, like, alternatives out there. We just haven't, you know... Yeah. First of all, it's expensive. Over twice. Yeah. <laughs> but i just love cheese i really love cheese so that would be the one thing that i would really miss or if we were out with people and they were eating it i'd be like <sighs> but like i mean you bread, can have
1: it It probably would just ruin you
0: well I, just, don't know, I, don't know. I don't know because i don't know i think
1: your reaction to it is not necessarily like the classic trip to the bathroom, yeah, right? yeah the, the classic reaction was. to yeah. dairy
0: I think it was more of like bloating and this like redness yeah. that I've kind of developed on my face.
1: And I wonder too, for myself, since I didn't take the test and I don't know what I'm actually intolerant to, if anything, that my sense of feeling better has been attributable to the fact that we are just overall lowering our yeah. gluten intake, yeah. or dairy intake.
0: yeah. So what's what's kind of tricky too is I mean we were keto for two and a half years and then I got pregnant and then all of these you know like these mm-hmm. health things have kind of just compounded since that time and I've had two pregnancies you know in that time and so it's hard to know is this pregnancy related because as that skin thing can be very like you can get that from be, being pregnant right. and then you can like have that for the rest of your life like after you give birth like there are things that can change just. Mm-hmm and now you have this, like, congratulations, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it, kind of thing. Yeah, skin Um, issues. Or, like, did I develop some of these intolerances when we had such an extremely restrictive diet when we were keto? Because I remember when we started introducing some of those foods back in, I would break out into hives. Right. And I thought it was primarily sugar, like, related, but it could have been related to other things. So it's hard to know, like, when did this, you know... Develop. Have I always been intolerant and just didn't know? Or is this a newer thing? It's really hard to know that. But, you know, we figured out I'm intolerant Mm -hmm. (laughs) to those, you know, five or six things. And there's five or six specific things Mm -hmm. I'm intolerant to. And at least now we know how to tackle that. And it's not like, oh, let me try cutting this off and let's see how my body responds and then let's try this and let's try this.
1: Right, like I, you're following the protocol. Yeah, that's... like it
0: tests against, I think it's something like 199 like foods, including like meats and spices and mm-hmm. just th- the whole nine yards. So, because I never would have known, like sesame was something I was highly intolerant to because I love Dave's killer bread. I love everything but the bagel seasoning.
2: Yep. I it's love got sesame, sesame seeds. Yeah,
0: like yeah. I love sesame chicken, like all of it. And mm-hmm. so I never would have known that. But, anyways, all that to say, that's the sourdough journey. We're trying our first loaf. This I'm gonna make a loaf of sourdough bread. I Saturday, like sandwich bread. So
1: yeah, it's got like a whole day and a half of prep work yeah, before you there, can just I, make
0: it. I had no idea there was so much that mm-hmm. went into it. So it's I basically a three. I mean, depending on when you feed your starter, it ends up yeah. being a three day. Process, you feed your starter, which we did today. Today is Thursday, Mm -hmm. and then I'll do all the folding. It rises
1: and proofs tomorrow, and then you bake it on Saturday. Yep. So
0: yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I'm
1: excited for it.
0: I am. I mean, it's delicious. Yeah. If it if it turns out right, (laughs) but
1: yeah, and anything that for me gets us close to or closer to just. The bread that's in Europe, and man, I sound so snobby right now. But but
0: it does ruin you, yeah. Like you, it's really hard to go back to any American kind of bread after you experience. It just tastes worse. Yeah,
1: it's just you can just taste how processed it is. Yep. And so we know what's gonna go into there, and again, we sound so like
0: (laughs) I don't. I feel so bougie, but exactly. I am. Excited for it. And Jude loves bread and carbs. That boy can down some bread. So I would just feel better about him consuming it as well. So that's my sourdough journey. Stick along for the ride. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully I don't kill my starter. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she was bubbling really nicely downstairs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've just not seen you so excited in the kitchen in a long time.
0: I know. I am really excited about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I think some of it has to do with my dad. My dad was an amazing cook, mm-hmm. amazing. And I don't know if there's a part of me when he passed away that felt like, I don't know, like I it just cooking for whatever reason, just I used to love it and I loved, he had a very creative style of cooking, never like used a recipe, but came up with these just amazing, amazing meals. Mm-hmm. And I cook very similarly, like, I'll never make the same thing the same way twice, but I love making food like that mm-hmm. and delicious food. And so I'm, I don't know, this is kind of like rekindling something for me of my enjoyment of cooking. Some of that I think is motherhood too. I'm just so exhausted. Some people will like pour into cooking and in and, and that season, maybe that's really life giving. But for me, I'm like, look, I'm trying to.
1: Yeah. Let's go to Chick-fil-A.
0: Well, like, I'm just trying to, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's just I feel like
0: there are other, yeah, other life giving no, things. For
1: you me you and I, I are, are both like that, too. Yeah. And it's just
0: not that uh, I don't want delicious food, but I don't want to hey, spend pretty yummy. forever in the kitchen making it. Right. I'd like to spend my time on investing in like mental, mentally stimulating, acad- like those kind of right. activities. So,
1: yeah. And I think what's going to work well for you with this is that it's not a long marathon, it's like short space. Sprints yes. to do this sourdough thing, and so that caters much more to how you prefer, kind of, or or what you're cap capable. That's no, not capable. What your capacity What's is life giving.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. No, in terms of just like what you can actually do realistically. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, keeping judo away from like climbing up bookshelves and jumping off the couch and stuff like that. So right. yeah, I'll be curious to see what this first loaf tastes like, babe. I don't
0: know. We'll see. We'll keep you guys posted.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wanted to go back to what we talked about or what I briefly mentioned at the end of the last episode and this idea of fulfilling your lo- role in ministry. And, and I think there's really much more of a, I don't know if it's just like a, here's what I think it could be. For me, I wonder if I'm reacting to just my personal unpacking of what ministry means, since a lot of that has been dismantled, either because we've become parents, mm-hmm. or because of COVID,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that at one point you and I were very heavily involved in the church, and
0: and I guess by that, we should probably just clarify. <laughs> Not that we're not in church, but more of just like serving in some capacity on some team. We were heavily involved. Yeah, this is
1: this is why we do long form podcasts and not (laughs) tweets. Uh, Yeah. So it's more the sense of like that was just the reality. Like we were the, the number of hours we committed to serving in quote unquote ministry. Yeah. Was way higher in. Duration than it is now. Yeah. And we kind of, I think what jump started this for me was in our group. We talked about this in like the small group that we're in right now, Mm -hmm. which I'm really grateful for. But there was a sense where I think the way I said it maybe could have been miscommunicated as, oh, he just wants to get back into serving in the same exact way in terms of like leading worship on stage Mm -hmm. for two services. Mm -hmm. And that, like, I should just, you know, the answer, the response to that is that I should just find ways to try ministry at church until you find something that works. And I was, like, initially thinking, wow, that's not at all what I was <laughs> thinking about. In that it was actually in the context completely outside of yeah. the mechanisms that the church has available for our family. And, again, I, it could be just because I'm reacting to it. It could be just because of covid that has dismantled a lot of this it could be just that because our capacity has been reduced being parents that we can't commit to a Thursday night rehearsal for three four hours and two services where we play for several hours and you know the other thing too is like I'm not the most talented person in the world when it comes to music out there I say that to say like there's a lot of very qualified gifted people at our church that can play music well so yeah I just wanted to unpack that because I think one of the dangers, and this is the observation I have, Mm -hmm. one of the dangers in limiting what ministry means to the Sunday morning experience hampers the church body's ability to be effective in participating in the kingdom work that God wants us to take part of. So Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say that again because it's like, If you limit your church people, if you limit your believer to the mechanisms the church has available for you to plug into in order for you to feel like you're fulfilling your role in ministry, I would argue that you are doing yourself and the person you're talking to a disservice in limiting them from the things they can be doing in the context outside of the church altogether. Mm -hmm. And so to echo your disclaimer... (laughs) I'm not saying we don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not saying that we don't want to look for ways that we can participate in the local church, because some of that I do agree includes saying yes to some things in the church setting. I'm just making the argument that that's not the only thing. Mm -hmm. So, would you disagree? (laughs) Am I wrong in thinking this way? I mean... And I will see myself out if I am. (laughs) I'm kidding.
0: I feel like this has been such a long journey for us. And it did really start with COVID and having church, like normal gathering rhythms kind of stripped away for a time and, and evaluating like, not just what does this mean for our family, but how do we as a family continue to minister when those things are not in place anymore? Right? How, what, did, what does ministry look like for the Tare's? outside of the organized methods that our local church body has set in place for us. And it really started us kind of wanting to still take on what we believe is, you know, the role of a believer, you know, like, I am still called to minister, I am still called to serve, I am called to be a disciple maker. Okay, Well, organized church, as we know it, is not meeting. So what does that mean for us? Are we just not going to live out our mandate in this time until it turns on again? Or are there other ways that we are to be living out this mandate that we have not really pursued asking those questions or pursuing some of those? different avenues because they've always been pre-established by the church body that we've attended. And we just plug in there, right? I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm saying that's the only way it's really looked for us up to that point Not that we didn't do outreach things or, you know, but it's just all still organized by the church body. You know, the leaders of that church are deciding like, what events do we do in the community? And we got prayer outreach and worship nights and da 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 da, you know, and it's just like, we never thought about what that could look like for our family where we are seeking God and we are praying and God is showing us, this is what I want you guys to do. And then we do it. And we don't wait for anybody else to give us a green light, Mm -hmm. you know, or or not. It's just like we are literally like seeking the Lord. What do you have for the Tares? What do you have for us? What ministry do you? What like what does our family ministry look like? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to be a believer in this time, where all the ways that we've used to operate as believers have been seemingly shut off. Yeah. You know? And so and that's I think that's kind of where this is coming from was we started it kind of started expanding our definition of ministry to where it wasn't just defined by pastor and leaders at the church saying, Here's the women's ministry and ways to get plugged in. We need greeters. We need group leaders to lead our groups. We need worship team members to help lead worship on Sunday we need security team we need kids helpers we need you know whatever other areas that are typically you know make up a church Um, hospitality team a prayer team you know and so I think it moved from just that to really every like aspect of my life should be considered ministry like disciple making doesn't just turn on when I'm with other believers at that church and we're doing some sort of outreach or in a group together and we're talking or we're you know like like as I go about my day to day I am to have the mentality that every conversation I have every room I enter I am to be a piece of heaven on earth like I am to be someone who lives my life in a way that is a ref- it was reflective of the grace that I've received. That when other people look at my life and the way that I grieve, the way that I handle being upset with my children, the way that we fight in our marriage, the way yeah. that we like all these things, our neighbors like see these things. Anybody who has eyes on a relationship, ministry started expanding to like that that's also included in ministry too. Those are just the less glamorous, like (laughs) non-titled types. You know, you don't get the status, you don't get the promotion, you don't get the title that you could slap onto, you know, group leader or this leader or that leader, coordinator, director or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in reality, like if I'm going to be a disciple maker, then that's a responsibility I have to take on for myself. And it's not something that i can wait for pre-existing avenues that a particular local body has in place in order for me to be able to operate like that and to be able to have like invite people into my home go out to coffee with people or go out to lunch with friends or neighbors that we meet or like i don't have to wait for there to be some pre-existing opportun- like avenue in place I can start initiating these things myself because that's become what I believe is a disciple maker is supposed to do, you know, as I go about my day to day and the everyday rhythms of life at work, wherever we are, like these are the spaces, like it's not supposed to be a switch that turns off when you enter into a building that's called the church, you know?
1: Yeah, I would agree. Like I tend to not think about that as much in the sense of when you are entrenched in the service through the church and again like i do want to also clarify that to us it is not a no but right like we're not saying no but we should do this i think we're saying yes and we should also do this Yeah. in that we are going to look for ways that we can say yes to the mechanisms that are available at the local church and we're also going to explore what that looks like for us as a family in a sustainable way and so yes i do agree that COVID expanded the definition of what it means to serve beyond, you know, welcoming everybody once the countdown goes to zero and mm-hmm. asking everybody to stand mm-hmm. and doesn't end after you strum the last chord in the chorus and the response song after the ch- the pastor has dismissed the church, right? And like my duty in participating in the redemptive work of the gospel ends because I strum my last chord. That's one, the one hand that I agree with, but I also can point to something that we've just built into our family rhythm that we've been able to just start implementing Mm -hmm. in that we're constantly practicing what the Sabbath looks like for us as a family. And that's just taking a day out of the week, thanking the Lord for his faithfulness to our family and enjoying a little bit of a nicer meal. That typically means the grill is on and I'm cooking something on the grill. And that, you know, when we have the opportunity to, we invite people to our home and and share that with them. Yeah. And that was just because any of the small groups that were available at the time when we first started practicing this started at the end of the day, like started in the evenings when Evie was 10 minutes before her bedtime. Mm -hmm. I was like, we can't do this. You know, we're all super touchy about meeting together anyways and what it could do for a... The jury was still out as to how COVID would impact a baby. And so we were like, well, rather than doing this, let's, just, let's just invite everybody to our home. Mm-hmm. One or two or three people, one or two or three families at a time. And that's been so life-giving to us. Yeah, And we've really felt like that's just something that we're folding into the identity of our family, the way that Evie understands what Saturdays even mean, where it's like Saturdays, all bets are off you watch as much TV as you want. Mm-hmm. You can choose what kind of treat you want for dessert. Right. You can pick one thing at the grocery store when we <laughs> buy the food that we are gonna have for dinner mm-hmm. as a treat for yourself. And it's all in the hopes of folding that into the understanding that the Lord modeled this for us, like God modeled this for us in the sense of like working for six days and resting on the seventh, like enjoying the work of his creation And so we'll try to do that as well as a family where we can put a break in our week and be in enjoyment of the labor that we've produced as mother, as somebody that works, as whatever it is that you're doing in the six days to be enjoyed on the seventh. And for us, that's just been something that we've been able to say, yeah, yes. And if you can replicate this in your own setting, I would highly encourage you to do it because it does set this break in your week where it doesn't feel like saturday bleeds into sunday sunday bleeds into monday you know so on and so forth and you just feel like it's an ongoing run-on sentence mm-hmm. But there's a break in the week where we can look forward to dessert we can look forward to just enjoying each other's company and the company of others all under the umbrella of understanding that we want to share the goodness of the lord that we've experienced in our own life through the form of just delicious food and we'll start there
0: yeah. It doesn't have to be so elaborate. It can be really s- as simple as just using the things that God has given you. <laughs> I think something that just, I don't know, is something I'm wrestling with maybe. Mm, tell me. Is when I get asked the question where I'm going to serve at a particular church body. Obviously, we're at a new church, so this is the question, right? Where, when are you going to get plugged in? When are you going to serve? And I'm not saying that to say that anybody's necessarily directly saying this to us, but certainly always preach from... I mean, you're going to hear this at every stage that a pastor is preaching, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the message is always, like, get plugged in and we need more people to volunteer. And and I'm not saying... Again, I'm not even saying this in a critiquey way. I'm saying, like... This is just a reality. Mm -hmm. And I think something I'm wrestling with is if what I believe God is putting on my heart and how he's a lot, like specifically gifted me, like where my strengths are, if there's an avenue for me to use that outside of whatever's happening in the church building on a Sunday morning, or I don't know during whenever your group night is, you know, it's often, I'm often told or made to feel I'm not serving at all, you know? And so the message then kind of becomes, hey, attendee, when are you going to take on your role of serving and getting plugged in here? And I think the part that I wrestle with is not necessarily even being told that I should be serving because I do believe I should be serving. Like I believe I should, I believe servant heartedness should be characteristic of the life of a believer. (laughs) And I sometimes wonder if in some way, shape or form postmodern American church has crippled the believer from actually being a disciple maker because it funnels all of the disciple making back through the pre-established pathways for ministry that that church has set in place. It's, it's not really...
1: Right. So the church becomes the de- definition of what is somebody who is operating actively in ministry versus somebody who's not. Right. And so the danger there is that you start refereeing somebody's application of their gifts through whether or not they're in a specific serving group like the greeting team or if you're not in this other team. Yeah. And in their defense, I do think growth and discipleship does happen in community. Yes. But I do think you end up missing out on helping others or equipping others in understanding that they are already placed in the areas where they're supposed to serve before they even identify where they could serve in the church because of the gifts they already have. What I mean by that is that like the interactions you have in the workplace, your children at home, right? Like how do we, instead of just funneling them through things that bolster the Sunday morning experience, right? how do we equip moms to lead in their ministry, in their ministry of motherhood? Well, how do we like have gospel centered conversations in our workplace with right. our, with our coworkers, with the people yep. we interact with on a day-to-day yep. basis? Yeah. But I do think that you run the danger of replacing what your church body's gifts are with like what you think they are as a church leader. And instead of like teasing out what they actually have or where they're actually at or what centers of influence do they participate in Mm -hmm. and how could they be effective in those ways, we limit it to, yeah, just stand at the front door and say hi to people when they walk in, not to belittle that because that's really important too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i just think there's some sense of like you kind of gotta you have to weigh out or maybe emphasize both
0: yeah i think what i'm trying to get at though is um
1: sorry i hijacked your
0: no it's okay i think um because i don't want to just say the diplomatic answer i'm trying to get out what actually i'm wrestling with of if we want our believers to be disciple makers but we tell them the only or or the communication that's spoken over believers is that you are to every avenue for you being a disciple maker exists within these walls yeah then how do you actually i'm not saying that we shouldn't take on those ministries inside the walls of the church. I'm not saying saying that they shouldn't exist, but I'm saying how do we then not make sure that they end when we walk out the door and then people go on with their normal lives and feel like, I don't know how to necessarily apply this out there. I feel like as a church, the postmodern American church is doing a disservice with Mm -hmm. this like system of we funnel everything back into the walls of this building And maybe you're meeting in homes for groups, Um, you know, whatever. But I'm saying it still exists within within this like ecosystem that we're creating in here, as opposed to really having a burden and a conviction and for believers to be sent out Mm -hmm. and know how to work that out in their day to day and know what it means to be a disciple maker in their neighborhood and know what it means to be a disciple maker at their workplace or in their home right? To where it's not just this flip or switch that we flip on and off every time we walk inside that church building and ministry turns on and then we walk out and it turns off. Right. It's like ministry is only considered if it's full-time ministry within the walls of the church building. Mm-hmm. But if I do something outside of that and I don't have a title for it, mm-hmm. is that still given the same weight as Ministry of the full-time pastor who's got the title. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm. I'm saying I'm really wrestling with is like, man, I just don't think we have maybe a right definition of ministry. We're not giving a right weight to ministry that exists outside the walls of the church building. <laughs> and also, how are we equipping people to move from what happens in that place to like real life?
1: I think this is great to stop here. I do think that this sense of, like, come here and, like, see this thing that's happening here Mm -hmm. is not unique to postmodern American church movement. And what I mean by that is that probably (laughs) since the very beginning, this has been an issue Mm -hmm. where we delegate away the responsibility of discipleship to the clergy. And so that's what I want to Talk about, man, this is going to be a whole series. <laughs> but it's just like in this next episode, I do want to talk about how it might actually be um, a longer string of pieces where the sense of coming here and come and see, like whole idea of come and see, mm-hmm. like how do you balance that, right? Like, what do we need to do differently to make sure that those things aren't limited to what we do on a Sunday morning? Because In a sense, you also need to know in order to be an effective disciple maker outside of the four walls of the church, you need to know what disciple making is. Right. And so there's a little bit of that, like some of that gathering and learning together is required. Like some of this, like, you know, alignment Mm -hmm. and making sure we're teaching the same things and the right things Mm -hmm. is required. But how do we go from there to what that actually means Mm in the context now back to contextualizing that to post post church America. Mm-hmm. Like how do we do that effectively in our social media platforms? How do we do that effectively in our relationships? You know, so so it's not in a sense of just like pushing these people out to be good at what they do outside, but like what does that actually mean now? Right? Because it's different from what it was maybe 50 years ago before any of this th- internet stuff existed. And it definitely, you know, was different from when it was when Jesus first commissioned his disciples. So I think we should end it right there.
0: How are you going to tie it back to sourdough?
1: Oh, COVID. COVID has caused us to rethink what ministry means. And for a lot of people, except for us, COVID's probably gotten people into hobbies like sourdough. (laughs) So that's how they're tied together.
0: Got it.
1: We did get on the espresso train though during COVID
0: well, it's because we had some babies so. and we needed a a marker difference between the first 12 hours of the day and the last 12 since there was no difference in that season right.
1: so. just happened to be that our baby was born during COVID right. so there
0: you have it, there you
1: have it. Well, hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with the Tares.
0: We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honorsunderscore.com slash table talks to let us know.
1: And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support.
0: All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.